if your kid's in the habit of lying to protect your feelings or so that you won't think ill of them, what happens when they're older and the problems are bigger? So when you have a teenager, you want them to know that they can come to you and tell you the truth and you'll still love them and it'll be okay and you'll help them through it and that they don't need to protect you from what's really happening in their lives. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Colleen Doyle Bryant is an expert on common decency and the author of five books and more than 50 learning resources about making good choices for the right reasons. Her Talking with Trees series for elementary students and Truth Be Told quote series for teens are used in curriculums around the world, while parents and teachers download more than 100,000 of her learning resources on honesty, respect, responsibility, and more good traits each year. Her latest release for adults, Rooted in Decency, Finding Inner Peace in a World Gone Sideways, looks at how the decline in decency in society is affecting us personally and how we can move forward to a place of kindness and cooperation. So welcome, Colleen. I'm so happy to have you on today. This is such an important topic. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So first, I would love to know a little bit about how did you get into this work? What got you into this area of kindness, responsibility, decency? Well, it started, I would say, about 20 years ago when my kids were little. And at the time, it was the self-esteem parenting revolution that was going on. And, you know, this whole period of time where kids were taught to never feel bad, they should only ever feel good about themselves. And I noticed that they weren't learning to make good choices for the right reasons. And the motivation to me was was too self-centered. So I started coming up with ways of teaching them at home about why you should be honest and why you should treat each other with care and respect. And over time, I came to realize that other parents struggled with the same sorts of issues. And I had found these ways of talking about it. So I started first with the Talking with Trees series, which was a series of picture books where kids are are in moral situations and learn how to feel their way through those moral dilemmas. And then over time, as my kids grew, their problems grew with them. And I started a teen series to help with the sorts of situations they were seeing as teens. And then finally, in the last number of years, I looked around at society and I said, for all that these parents and teachers are downloading my stuff, they know that we need to teach kids about good values. They don't seem to be acting with the same sort of honesty, respect, responsibility, and compassion that that they're telling their kids should have. 
So it started recently with this question for adults that said, why? Why are people acting like this? What's happened to society? And how do we get back to a place of more cooperation and kindness? That is beautiful. I talk a lot about that in my classes. And there was such a shift in parenting into the self-esteem movement. You're right about it. It was like, you always need to feel good because then you'll be more, I think they thought they'd be more successful if they just felt really good and really confident all the time. But then that didn't allow for a place to do self-assessment. You know, it's it's great to have good self-esteem, but it needs to be a realistic self-esteem on, you know, how did I really do? How am I doing? How can I do better? Not just I'm always great no matter what. So that's that's a great story. I love that. Um, so I would love to I heard you talk about this on another podcast, and I think it's it's really important to understand this is the evolution of decency, why that's important in society. And I'd love to have you share that with my audience too. Sure. So when I started doing the research for for rooted in decency, I looked around and said, okay, some people are doing what they think is right, while other people think what they're doing is horribly morally wrong. So who's right? I mean, who gets to decide where does right and wrong even come from? And so I started looking back through psychology and sociology and moral philosophy and religion and just kind of did this whole backtrack to say, where do we even come up with the ideas for what's right and wrong? What are good values and what are, you know, vices? And so what happens is you, you go back before we had laws, you go back before we had the moral codes that are in the world's religions. And you find that people were living in groups together because they had figured out that their ability to survive and to thrive was better when they cooperated with other people. So humans, we are a social species for a reason. It's because our chances of being safe and secure and and achieving things in life are better when we have relationships with other humans, where we have trust and fairness and cooperation so that we can work together towards our well-being. And so what those early groups of people found were there were certain behaviors that helped people cooperate and live well together. And those behaviors they valued and they wanted to encourage, and those became what we now call values. And the behaviors that were harmful to individuals and harmful to the group, those became the vices. And so over time, we see groups of people all over the world who lived thousands of years apart all came up with the same essential moral code for how people should treat each other. And those essential human values persist today We see them in religions. We see them in humanitarian values. We see them in business books about how teams cooperate. We see them in parenting books about how kids get along with each other. So they're really this this timeless, foundational human behavior. And can you enlighten us a little bit? What are some of those values that have kind of space, time, and and I guess space? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So there, there are four of them. You can take lots of different sources and look at how they say people should behave. And when you take out the duplicates and the things that are you know, similar, they come down to four core values that are the pillars for human society. They are truth, which is all your aspects of honesty, being honest with yourself, being honest with others, dealing you know, without cheating and stealing and lying. There is respect, which is first off self-respect, that you act in a way that's in line with your values and that you treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. The third is responsibility which means one, we take responsibility for ourselves. We are responsible for our own, our own bodies and our minds and, and our own development. 
but we're also responsible in our relationships with other people. So life runs on this give and take between people. We're doing our share. We're doing the give that we should, and we're getting the take that's fair. And when we're not, we hold each other accountable. And then finally, compassion. And this one's really important because life can be hard. And Mm -hmm. compassion is the inspiration that helps us help each other through the hard times, but it also is the celebration of the good times together. It's sort of that whole empathetic process where we we enjoy and celebrate with each other, but we also comfort and have the courage to persevere when things are hard. So those are all great values. And I love that, you know, I think parents today, we have a lot of goals for our kids, but one of the big goals we do have is raising kids who are kind and compassionate and honest people. So you know, this is a big order. It's a tall order, but I know you've got some great ideas brought through all your research. So let's talk about honesty. You have four strategies to teach kids the value of honesty. Yeah. So the first strategy for teaching kids honesty is helping them realize that good choices feel good. So, you know, we just talked about this whole evolution of people and our bodies evolved along that time to help encourage us to do the things that are good for our well-being and avoid the things that are harmful for our well-being. So our body gives us lots of signals about whether or not we're making good choices. So psychologists, for instance, would tell you they have measured in people the twinge of distress that people feel when they lie. And that distress lasts long after the lie is over. Or psychologists have measured the, the release of chemicals in our brain that happens when we see people being caring and being good and being kind. And it makes us want to behave the same way. So one thing we can do with kids is to help them recognize that there are signals there that they should be paying attention to. It's kind of like sight, sound, touch, but it's the feelings inside our bodies. So one thing we do with kids is we say, okay, how does it feel when you lie? How does that feel inside your body? Well, guilt does not feel good, does it, right? You get this tension and this tightness and the worry and the anxiety. What if I get caught? What if I have to own up and face somebody and look them in the eye and they catch me in this act? It feels terrible. On the other hand, when we tell the truth, it can feel uncomfortable in the moment. But afterwards, we get that sense of pride and elevation and the self-respect that comes from knowing we did the right thing. So number one is, connect the body. And I know you've talked about this in in your show before, where usually like parents shouldn't short circuit the process. They need to let kids feel those sensations and process through it. Yes. Give them the opportunity to work through it, not expect a response right away. Yeah. So strategy number two is a lot of the times kids lie is because they they don't want to disappoint you or they don't want you to think poorly of them. But we need to help kids know that If what they're trying to do is make us happy, then we would be happier if they told us the truth than if they told us what they thought we wanted to hear. And I think this becomes really important later in life also, right? So when they're little kids, their lies seem kind of small. They're not that big of a deal. And maybe it's it's easy to, to brush them off and not think about them. But if your kid's in the habit of lying to protect your feelings or so that you won't think ill of them, What happens when they're older and the problems are bigger? So when you have a teenager, you want them to know that they can come to you and tell you the truth and you'll still love them and it'll be okay and you'll help them through it and that they don't need to protect you from what's really happening in their lives. 
Very true. I, I had a couple of thoughts on that. First was, you know, my, my younger son struggled with some depression. And one of the things he, he didn't tell me at the time, but told me just a few weeks ago that he did feel like he wanted to, he wanted to die. He was, he was feeling suicidal. Mm-hmm. And I asked him why he didn't tell me. And he said, because he didn't want to worry me. Mm-hmm. And so it was him trying to protect me. And so, you know, helping him to understand that he never needs to protect me from anything that he's dealing with. I don't want him to protect me. It's my job to protect him. And um, you know, so that's a really important point. Yeah. When you're talking, one of the things I tell parents about lying is if you know that they're lying to stop them in the moment and not let them keep going. Like if mm-hmm. they say they didn't um, spill the plant, but they've got dirt on their hands and, you know, and the plant spilled over, like, you know, they did it. Like not to let them keep trying to tell the truth, just tell them, I know that it was you. I can see the dirt on your hands or the chocolate cake on your face or whatever it is that they said they didn't do and just stop them right there. So just not let them keep, you know, digging a hole, right? Yeah. Well, the other, the the other two strategies um, touch on that. One, one is that studies show harsh punishments don't help kids stop lying. They actually make them better liars. So if you're having that conversation with your child and they think that you're going to punish them harshly, they're going to keep lying no matter what. Like they're going to, they're going to go down with the ship before, before they're willing to admit what the evidence is right there on their face. Like you, you totally can tell, but if they're worried that there's going to be a huge consequence for it, they're not going to want to back down. So one thing that I found is one, you have to have reasonable consequences. They need to know that you're going to be happier if they tell the truth, that the consequences are going to be reasonable. And then you can implement strategy number four, which is tried and true in my house. This one comes from, from real experience, which is that you separate the truth from the action that they're lying about. So let's say your kid does something that they know they're not supposed to do, and then they try to lie to cover it up. Studies show 99% of the time, parents will deal with the, the misdeed and ignore the lie. And I'm sure they have good reasons, you know, the, the, the moment and trying to deal with it and prioritize and everything. But what that does is it teaches your kid they have nothing to lose by trying to lie to you. Right. So that when they're five may not seem like that big of a deal. When they're 15, when they want the car keys, like you don't want your kid being in the habit of thinking they can just lie to you about anything and do what they want and then try to get away with it. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. 
I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. So it's better to establish right from when they're young that there are always consequences for actions, right? We can create good consequences and we can create bad consequences. It is within our control to choose and create the sort of outcomes that we want. And so if they have made a choice and, and made a mistake, there is always going to be a reasonable consequence. Now, if they lie about it, there's going to be a double consequence. So let me explain how this works. Let's say you know you've set a timer for your child with their video game. They're still playing well beyond when the timer should have gone off, but the timer hasn't gone off. So you know they've manipulated the timer. And so you walk in the room and you say to them, you're still playing your video game. I know your timer should be over. You have a choice right now. You can tell me what, what really happened, be honest, and there will be a consequence for what you've done. If you lie to me, there'll be an extra consequence for the lie. So let's say they tell the truth. Maybe they lose the video game for a day or two. If they lie about it, they lose the video game for four or five days. And so what this does is it sets a precedent for them that says, if you're honest, we will work through this together. You know, we'll, we'll address why this is a problem, why we have this rule, and we'll have a reasonable consequence that helps you remember to follow the rule. But if you lie to me, it's going to be worse. So you might as well tell the truth. And that makes so much sense because you're right. If, if they only have to deal with the, the consequence for the behavior, they might as well try to get away with it because if they're not caught or they don't get, you know, tripped up over, you know, the lie, then... They're not going to get punished for the consequence. And if they do get found out, they're going to get punished for it anyway. And the lie goes completely un, you know, even unnoticed. And so it's like, oh, I might as well give it a shot. It's like gambling. It's like, ah, 50-50 or whatever. I might as well give it a shot. But but that way it makes the lie more a forefront of something they 
might want to think about a little bit before they do. And it really helps if the consequence is related to the impact of lying. So what lying does is it, it ruins trust. And kids want to have freedom. They want to have the the opportunity, especially as they get older, to do things independently. And the only way we as parents or teachers or other adults are going to feel comfortable giving them that freedom is if they have a reputation for honesty. If we know that we can trust them to make good choices and to come to us if they need help. So another great thing as as you're giving those consequences is to have them relate to trust. So if they have lied about something where you can take away a privilege, where it's like, well, I can't trust you to use this responsibly. So you're going to have to earn back my trust. That helps them connect the fact that honesty equals trust. It is worth it for me to behave and to make choices that build a precedent. People know that I can be trustworthy. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I do remember when my kids were younger and they'd tell those little white lies that I would have those exact conversations with them about responsibility and trust and that they get more responsibility as they build trust. And that if, you know, when you lie, it does break down that trust and that's going to affect your, uh, you know, the areas of responsibility, the where I can give you freedom and independence. And Mm -hmm. that's such a, you know, which happens when they're a little older, you can't talk to a three-year-old about (laughs) independence in that way, but such a good point. So I would love to talk about your kids' books for a minute because I read the description. I'm going to start with the the book for the tweens and teens, Truth Be Told quotes, because the description just really caught my attention and as such a deep truth. And that description is, I'm sure you know what it is, but for my audience, it says today's teens don't want to be talked down to with impractical or self-righteous lectures. Studies show they want real advice they can use to figure out who they want to be and how they want to engage with the world. They want to know how to be successful in setting goals and making choices for their lives as adults. And I think this is just, it's so true, not just for tweens and teens, but even for younger kids, like they really want to be respected as people. They want to be considered and they want to learn how to show up in the world and how to set their goals. So I just thought that was such a beautiful description. I'd love for you to enlighten us more about that process. Yeah, there've been a few studies in the past few years about teens and what we call social emotional learning. And so for anyone who's heard, I mean, sometimes it's in the news and people are all like up in arms about social emotional learning. That's, that's like a, a political thing. Ignore that and recognize social emotional learning is about giving kids the skills to deal with themselves and other people in life. And the studies show teens know that they need this. And in fact, they're frustrated that high school doesn't set them up with those real skills for life. And what they say they want is more information about how to work well with other people, how to see other perspectives, how to resolve conflict, how to understand their own emotions and and deal with the stresses and the realities of life. And respect in their own status is is a big part of that, that they want to feel respected as a person. They want to be talked to in a way that shows these skills as they relate to the real problems they face in life. So they don't want scared straight lectures, They don't want some materials that were adapted from an elementary school, which realistically is a lot of what exists today. There are not a lot of resources available for teaching teens about social emotional topics that that really are going to be necessary when they go out and have relationships, adult relationships, when they are having colleagues and work issues. So we have a real opportunity to get in there and 
apply these lessons with respect to the sorts of, of issues they're facing. And that'll give them the confidence and the sense of agency, which is, is a really big deal right now with mental wellness. A lot of kids are, are feeling like they don't have control and life is happening to them and, and it's hard to handle and they don't know what to do about it. So when we help give them those skills, they get a sense of, of agency in their own ability, their own competence to deal with life. And that would address a lot of the mental health issues that we're seeing. Thank you so much for sharing about that. So I, I'm just curious about the book. How does that bring about these lessons? So the style of the book is, and it, it's also online teaching resources. So realistically, the way it is primarily used is that teachers or parents go out and they see the material online and then they share it and work with their kids with it. You could give the kids the book. I don't know how many teens are honestly going to sit down and read it. <laughs> it's really more of a parent teacher kind of resource. So there are these quotes and they're done in this visual format, right? So kids are used to flipping through their phones. They're used to these quick visual snippets. So there's a quote that's in a snippet. And then there's a sort of irreverent teen way of explaining the quote. And then there are resources for the parents, like discussion points and activities and journaling pages, you know, things to help the teen take that lesson and reflect on their own life and, and real situations they've been in. I like that. I'm going to have to get that. I'm going to take a look at that for my kids. So yeah, it would just be something you kind of bring up and you sit around and you read the quote and then you discuss it or have them go off and do an exercise and then go come back and discuss later. So as a parent, I mean, I think teachers probably go out and they, they create sort of a, a lesson around it. As a parent, the way it worked in my life, because the, the book is based on uh, raising teenagers <laughs> and I had these ideas ahead of time. You know, I had these quotes, these kind of go-to quotes that were these short snippets so that when you're in the intensity of a situation, when maybe your own anger is rising or your own words are failing you, you have the quote at the ready. So an example would be one of my favorites used it all the time. In any conflict, make sure you know what you want and whether what you're doing is helping you get there. So when my teen might come and want to go borrow the car keys and go to some event with their kids, but they were approaching me in sort of a, a snarky or uh, aggressive sort of way, I could say, is this really helping you get what you want? You know, think about what you want right now. And is this approach really helping you? Because on my end, this doesn't feel very cooperative. This doesn't feel very respectful. And what you want from me is that I'm going to treat you with respect and treat you like an adult. Well, I think maybe you need to be treating me a little differently in this situation. I have this conversation. My, my daughter is 12 now and she can have a little bit of an attitude. So we've had a few of those conversations. So it's great to have those at the ready when yeah. you come up against those. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to talk about the Talking with Trees series you have that teaches lessons about honesty, respect, and responsibility. These are for kids K through four. And they bring light to these really deep concepts that I think either as adults, we either don't expect kids to really be able to grasp yet or where we really struggle to try to explain them to kids. And I'd love to hear you share a little bit about that. They are. They're, they're complex topics. And I think even for adults, sometimes it's hard to understand how to, how do you explain respect to somebody, uh, especially then to, to a child. So what the books do is they use this concept that kids learn through experience. We know that kids learn a lot through play. 
They learn a lot through their interactions with other kids on the playground. And so it takes that idea and helps them kind of live through and experience a moral situation without having to use these complicated words to explain it. So for instance, every book is a child who's in some sort of moral situation. Maybe they have snuck off with their game player when they're not supposed to be using it, or maybe their friend has hurt their feelings and they're thinking about being mean to their friend, things like that. And they find themselves in a place where there's a wise old tree. And that tree's maybe stood on that playground or stood in their backyard for generations. And they've seen lots of other kids go through this same situation. And so through this neutral third party, this wise, comforting, caring old tree, they have a conversation that helps them realize what they're doing, what sort of mistake they're making, why that's not a great idea, and how to recover, how to get back to a place where they're making a choice that they can feel better about. And the illustrator who did this was absolutely brilliant. She did a great job using body language and facial expressions. And the illustrations are so beautiful. I mean, who doesn't like trees? And so these personified trees and these little kids, and and it's like you can experience what that child is going through. And it invites the parent and the child reading the book to have that conversation. Like, you know, how does that child feel right now? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever made a choice like that? So it's, it's about experiencing rather than explaining and opening the door to a conversation. Wonderful. So where can parents find you and find your materials? So if you're looking just for everything in one place, my website, ColleenDoyleBryant.com, will have links to the, the Rooted in Decency for Adults, Truth Be Told for Teens, and Talking with Trees for Kids. I will put a link to that in the podcast description too. So for anybody looking for exactly how to spell that or how to get there, I will put that in the description when I put the episode up. So great. And I'm also, I'm out on Instagram and all that. And you can, you know, you see bits and pieces. I kind of roll out, you know, little features of tons and tons of resources are out there. Lots of free worksheets and coloring pages and, and journaling and posters, all sorts of free resources, videos and everything that uh, people can use to, to help start a conversation with their kids. And what's your username on Instagram? Colleen Doyle Bryant. Great. Well, this was a wonderful conversation, very enlightening about topics that a lot of parents really care about. And you know, I think we all struggle. A lot of parents struggle. I get questions a lot when their kids are lying and they don't know what to do. So I think this was really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be of service. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.